The U.S. has seen a rise in anti-Semitic incidents over the past few years, with 941 incidents in 2015, jumping to 2,717 tracked in 2021 by the Anti-Defamation League. Four years ago, a gunman stormed into a synagogue in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and killed 11 people in the deadliest attack on Jewish people on U.S. soil. On October 29th, there was a strange message seen scrolling on the outside of TIAA Bank Field during the Florida-Georgia college football game. In fluorescent letters, the words, Kanye is right about the Jews, were visible scrolling across the exterior of the stadium structure, referencing recent anti-Semitic comments from the rapper Kanye West. Kanye West has drawn significant amounts of criticism, media coverage, and also some support for some of his comments espousing a conspiracy against Jewish people. It's unclear how that message was projected on the stadium wall at the Georgia-Florida game. It's also unclear how long the message was visible outside the stadium. But what is clear is that there's a growing narrative in the U.S. that states Jewish people are somehow responsible for a global conspiracy of control over media, politics, and economics. And the Jewish people are now being scapegoated for all manner of societal problems and ills. For students of history, this narrative is eerily similar to others that have been peddled in 1930s Germany, the Jim Crow era American South, and the pogroms of the Russian Empire. What does God and his word have to say about this? As Christians, what are we to make of these claims? And is Kanye West for real crazy? Anti-Semitic? Or just super confused? Get busy living. I'll get busy dying. My guest today is Matthew McConaughey. Matthew, how are things on your Texas ranch? Don't don't expect me to do a Matthew McConaughey impersonation. <laughs> all, right, like all, right, all right, all right, all right, all right. That's the best I got. <clears throat> yeah. Hey, Gabe, how you doing, man? It's just me, Josh. It's not really Morgan Freeman. Oh, okay. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. No, I was no. I was actually starting to you know starting to think for a second. I'm like, what's what's the deal with your voice, man? Yeah. I don't know. I <clears throat> so right after we recorded our last episode with our wives, I got like really sick that night. And I had like a twenty four hour fever thing going on and like couldn't get out of bed. It was horrible. And then I felt better. And I just had this like really, really deep uh, cough thing going on. And then it started getting better. And then, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it was. I went into the last weekend with a little bit of a raspiness. And then I preached four times. And then Sunday afternoon, I was like, my voice has dropped like two octaves. It's incredible. Mm. And I'm like, I mean, it's probably going to get better before this weekend because I got to preach another four times. But, I mean, I could do amazing things with it. I could be Morgan Freeman. Well, it's Morgan Freeman. I can uh, sing the song, mm, the Crash Test Dummies. Once there was this kid who got into an accident and couldn't come to school, but... I mean, that's a benefit. 
Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. It's like it's like God's gift recompense for you getting sick. Yeah. For for men at least, when you have that low raspy voice, and you're like, "Oh yes, I survived that experience so that I could have this <laughs> gift." Thank you, Lord. You like talk to your wife, and you're like, "Hey, <laughs> hey, <laughs> baby, can't get enough of your love, baby." That's great. That's great. Oh man. Yeah. And I'm sure all of this is invoking a ton of confidence in anyone who's listening for the first time, and they're like, "Oh." They're talking about anti-Semitism. <laughs> sure, I will tune into this and see. I'm on the fence about anti-Semitism. And then yeah. they start this podcast and they're like, oh, wow. Yeah, we've got Morgan Freeman. Well, I didn't know he was an advocate for the Jewish people. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, well Gabe, how you doing, man? Enough about me. Let's talk about you. I'm doing great, doing great. Since our last, uh, man, I think I was I was really sick. I must have given mm-hmm. it to you through the, uh, through the interwebs. I think so. Um, but no, got over that. I ran um, ran my first half marathon on Sunday. Yeah, congratulations. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. We ran, you know, Dothan, the city of Dothan, has a big four-laned highway that goes around it in a circle. They call it the Circle City. And, uh, you know, it's a 13-mile-long circle. They didn't, I guess they didn't plan on it being half a marathon. But anyway, so now the race organizers capitalize on that, and they, they do a half marathon race around the city nice. of Dothan. They call Very it Run cool. the Circle. Yeah, so there was um, about 150 of us that ran it. My stepbrother Chris ran alongside me, and uh, awesome. it was a lot of fun. Yeah, dude. So yeah. was it mostly flat, or did you have some hills? There were some hills. And, you know, it's funny. When you're, like, driving around the circle, you don't notice the hills. Um, yeah. I, m- I remember there was one. I, I knew for a fact that there was one. I was like, okay. And I was even telling Chris, I was like, once we get over this hill, I think this is it. This is the hill, you know. We got over yeah. that hill, and that was definitely not the only hill. There was actually <laughs> hills that were far worse than that, but I just could not remember them. Yeah, because um, they're real gradual, so they they, sure. s- they take like a mile and they go uphill for like a mile, and so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they were they were smokers for sure, but it was cool though. Some, I, I um I beat my personal yeah yeah I beat my personal record. I think I did it in an hour and fifty six minutes. Nice um, sub yeah. two. That's great, dude. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. I was moving. Yeah. Um. You know, when you, you you start up at the um, the start line, and they have these like pacing groups, and these mm-hmm. these guys with like flags are standing there, and you choose like what group and what speed you want to run with. I, this is all new to me; I had never done this before. So um, I knew based on our training that we probably wanted to hang out with the two hour group. Yeah. And so we were at the, we were at the front of the two hour group when they started the race, uh, and then we kind of got sucked into the back. In the tail end of the one hour 30 or one hour 40 minute group and oh, wow. we just kind of morphed into that group and we kept up with them yeah and uh and that was that was a bad decision <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> that was painful we ran the first mile in like eight minutes and 15 seconds which oh, for runners that's 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 like that's, slow if you're if you do this on a regular that basis is slow, but, for but not us, if you're running 13 miles that's in, that's pretty fast yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then my last mile was like seven minutes fifty one seconds, which was the fastest of them all. And I just, I just by then was ready for it to be over. And just, yeah, just, dude, what was your? So you probably averaged out like eight forty five, eight fifty to do a sub two. Mm, yeah, okay. somewhere in that range. Yeah. yeah. So we got our full marathon uh, next month. No, wow, this month. Goodness, it's already November. Dang, dude. Yeah, wow. down in um, Cocoa Beach, Cocoa Beach, Florida. Nice. So, 
That's awesome, man. I, well, yeah, yeah. It's, you finish that. You finish the half marathon, and you're like, okay, in a month, I'm going to run double this distance. That is terrifying. <laughs> so yeah. everybody I know that has done a full marathon, I've not done one yet. I, I have mm-hmm. a goal to do one before I turn 40, which is coming up in a couple of years. But um, they say that you assume that running a full marathon is just twice as hard as running a half. Mm-hmm. But they said actually it's like 10 times harder. Oh, gosh. Yeah, so I don't know if that was the worst thing ever to tell you, getting ready for your first full, but to be mentally Mm. prepared, just to know that the human body can train to run 20 miles, but then the last six is just pure adrenaline for everyone I've I've talked to that's done it. Um, But once you break that glass ceiling for the first time, like your first one's always the hardest, Mm. Um, apparently it gets easier. And there are guys I know that, just keep up a base mileage of running and then at any time can go run a full marathon. That so, would be cool. I mean, I, people, yeah. people say like, people say you get the itch, you know, like after a big race. Mm-hmm. And I, I was definitely sitting on the couch Sunday night after the half marathon on my phone, looking at different half marathons and marathons in the area. Like I'm like, I got to, you know, you get that. I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah. Psychotic, like longing to do another long run yeah, and absolutely, race. Absolutely, man. Um, it's a very emotional thing. Like, mm-hmm, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody can understand it unless you've done it. Like, I've actually yeah, gotten yeah. emotional crossing the finish line because you put so much time and energy and effort and training into this goal, and then you cross the finish line, and there's people that are cheering, and you know, especially if you, like your family shows up and stuff. Man, it's a, it's an emotional thing. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, it sure is. It's probably why the Apostle Paul wrote so much about racing and running. And finishing your race and all that stuff and the great cloud of witnesses the writer of Hebrews writes about. Mm. So no, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you, how I did that. Like, relate. like how Jesus mm-hmm. juked it, brought it in, mm-hmm. brought it mm-hmm. in. Yeah. yeah, check your heart. Check your heart, absolutely. So uh, Jesus, speak, Jesus, Jesus of, is king. Jesus, Jesus is king, and Jesus walks. And I want to talk to God, but we ain't spoken so long. Another, mm. another Kanye lines. I guess the question anyone clicking on this episode might have um, is this. What did Kanye West say this time? Mm. Because if you know who Kanye West is, you know that he has had a long, long, long history of saying inflammatory, bombastic, crazy things. And, uh, yeah, he's in the news again because he did it again. He said something crazy, but not just one comment. He doubled down, and he's made multiple comments. But, uh, Gabe, who is Kanye West for somebody that clicked on this and they're just like, I don't know who that is. Kanye? And you mean Ye? Ye, I'm sorry. He he goes yeah. by Ye at this time, yeah. not by yeah, Kanye. Come on, Josh. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, Kanye is, I mean, <laughs> gosh, like, the, one of the most, if not the most, influential rappers of this decade, uh, of of past couple decades, maybe. Um, yeah. He hit <clears throat> he hit the billionaire status as mm-hmm. as you know net wealth and worth. Mm-hmm. Um, extremely, but mainly from fashion, right? Fashion, sneakers, mm-hmm. shoes, mm-hmm. Yep. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Extremely successful in business. Uh, extremely powerful in his voice and influence. Uh, in in American popular culture, um, has recently, um, 
I don't know, had a, had a, uh, a bit of a crisis, identity crisis, maybe I would, I would stand to, to reason, um, probably starting back at his salvation experience mm-hmm. that happened. Mm-hmm. When was that? 2018, 2019, 2019 I think. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, he, yeah. he claimed to have a, uh, conversion. So mm-hmm. he, you know, said that he was now a follower of Jesus, that he'd gotten saved. And, um, man, it's, it's kind of interesting. Like a lot of celebrities that claim that you're like, okay, well, what does that even mean? But, um, apparently there was a church in Southern California that was like a Calvary chapel type, like even evangelical Bible believing, like not a mega church, not a big church by any means. Kanye West, I guess, found out about it from some connection and he started showing up and sitting in the back. And this is like a not a big church. I mean, a couple hundred people. Um, this is like a gospel teaching, Bible believing, you know. And uh, I heard an interview with that pastor that talked to him. He's like, yeah, man, he, he like understands the gospel and like understands like his need for repentance and conversion and like has claimed like a true saving faith in Christ. Um, and that was 2019. And of course, he put out that big album. Was that fall of 2019 or spring of 2020, the Jesus is King album? Do you remember? I don't remember. I remember. Uh, I remember streaming it uh, when, when I was teaching school and my students were taking it. So it was 20, 2019, October 2019. Okay. I remember streaming it in the classroom and uh, just playing it on YouTube in the background as my kids were taking a cl- uh, test. And yeah. they were like, "What? You're into Kanye and all this stuff?" And I was like, "No, I just listening to his new album." You know, I was trying to be all cringe and stuff for them. Um, yeah, so that's October 2019. Yeah. So since then, um, he's done some crazy antics. So he came out with Jesus is King, which is a complete gospel album. Everything in it is about Jesus and about the Lord. He ran for president in 2020. Um, made some really like eyebrow-raising claims about... Um, like slavery, saying some things like <clears throat> black people didn't really, uh, like some of them chose to be in slavery. I mean, just some really like, a lot of it is just really off the wall. Like you're like, what do you mean by that? And then he just goes on these rants that just don't make any sense. Yeah, a lot of it isn't very incendiary. <clears throat> no, yeah, yeah, it's very incendiary and it doesn't make a lot of sense at all. Um, he's come out as being a big Trump supporter, um, even though he ran for president technically against Trump. Um, he got a divorce from his wife. Uh, that's the end of last year, the beginning of this year. His wife, of course, Kim Kardashian, uh, who's kind of her own celebrity brand um, in her own way. And then his comments uh, recently um, have been raising even more eyebrows. So... Gabe, what's the gist of basically what he said and, and why it's been so incendiary? Well, basically, as he's piling up these weird, nonsensical, incendiary comments, more and more brands and companies are dumping him and distancing themselves from him. Yeah. And then his reaction is very defensive, and he'll make a public statement, usually like on Instagram or Twitter some other social media platform and he'll come out and say like very 
subversive comments about um, Jews doing this in business or writing contracts or being deceptive, um, lawyers being Jewish. Um, it just, it, it's a sudden infatuation with Jews running businesses and somehow screwing him over. Um, yeah. are, are kind of the com- the gist of the comments, you know? And so he'll, he'll make a comment and then he'll kind of like dial it back a little bit and kind of walk it back just a little bit, halfway apologize. And then like the next couple of days, he'll make a even worse comment. And right. uh, so it's, it's like, yeah. And so, so basically now it's like, all right, it's, it's, uh, it's evident that you hold some pretty dangerous views when it comes to to jews running things and some very his, like historically anti-semitic views these aren't new views right right, um, right, right. But yeah yeah so um you sent me a video of i guess him being approached by some guys in the paparazzi in the parking lot some unnamed parking lot he's just walking across the parking lot and basically they're like hey um could you clarify your position on what you said that you know the Jews are running the media, the Jews are running everything, the Jews are to blame, the Jews are the ones that he compared himself to Emmett Till, which I just thought was very disrespectful. Hmm. He compared himself to George Floyd. Yeah, that um, the Jews were stepping on his neck and the Jews were lynching him publicly for for whistling. I mean, just just crazy stuff. <clears throat> and. Um, I think the creepiest part of the video is he pulls up his phone, a Excel spreadsheet, and across the Excel spreadsheet, there are columns that are highlighted red, and he said every one of these columns represents a Jewish CEO in positions of leadership, and he started naming all these multimedia companies. Um. Which is it was just kind of weird, and then he was basically like, "This is the red media," is what he called it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and basically his his premise, and he never, I mean, he's it's incoherent some of his ramblings. I mean, he just goes on and on and on and on. And it's just kind of like, "What are you saying, dude?" But essentially, his premise, and you got to watch twenty minutes of him rambling to kind of get what he's getting at, is that there is a kind of global conspiracy of Jews that are running the world and basically coming against black people. Is that, mm-hmm. does that seem what's, what, what he's getting at? Or not just black people, but all people. They're, the Jews are basically corrupt and um, super powerful. And um, yeah, I mean, that, that seems to be yeah. what I got from that. Is, that. is that really what it seems like he's doing? Yeah, I was really shocked by some of the statements in that video because he said, um, in essence, he said, when when we were released from slavery, we didn't get what we were promised. Um, instead, we got Planned Parenthood. And then you start to think like, oh, yeah, you know, that's you know, we got abortion. I'm like, oh, wow. You, you start to kind of get like worked up and excited that he's about to lambast Planned Parenthood and in, in, in the, in the money-making machine that it is. And then he goes into, yeah. and that, and that was the bill of gold bill of goods sold to us by Jewish world leaders. And this is, you know, they lost 6 million people in the Holocaust, but that doesn't compare to the 20 million black babies that are, that are, uh, that are being, that are being murdered. And, you know, a lot of this is being, um, perpetrated by, by, by Jewish business leaders. And you're like, Whoa, mm. hold on a second. Yeah. 
Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. crazy. And, so basically uh, blaming Jewish people for Planned Parenthood and for abortion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and turning, he, he used the words, turning black mothers into serial killers. Um, and crazy. yeah, I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, and can we talk about the shoes? He, did you see his, his muck boots he was wearing? I mean, like, the, he was just walking across <laughs> his parking like lot. He was going out to boots. milk the cows, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's going to, like, like, go finish out a slab that he just poured or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You no, know, he was seriously wearing, uh, yeah, like a camo hat and a green hoodie and muck boots. It was, it was mm-hmm, the funniest mm-hmm. outfit. Like, yeah, that's crazy, man. But it's, it's crazy when you watch this interview, if you watch it on mute, it's, it's a spontaneous interview that he just kind of walks off to the side. He yeah. loves the attention, first of all. You can tell he just loves oh, sure, sure. cameras in his face and stuff. But <clears throat> if you watch, he, he is like, I mean, a loose cannon is an understatement. He's like, he's a loose cannon that's like randomly firing off and, and hitting people and, and things on the ship yeah. and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, he's yeah. like, he is in self-destruct mode. But yeah. He's like he's like a hurt little little boy has who has had a probably a very traumatic childhood trapped in a man's body with mm-hmm. tons and tons of money and influence and power and Golly. very gullible and susceptible to all kinds of what, like what a dangerous combination um it really is one. yeah but you know some people listening to this are going to go okay guys that's Kanye West Kanye West has said some of the dumbest stuff over the past 20 years why, why is this a big deal? Why is this something that, you know, what, do we really need to cancel Kanye West? I mean, that's just, that's just dumb. He's, he's, that's what he does. But here's what's concerning about it. Um, you know, we said this in the, the bumper of the show. There has been a rise, a significant rise in anti-Semitic incidents over the past few years in the U.S. So I put this stat in the bumper, 941 incidents in 2015. 2,717 incidents in 2021. There was a, a shooting four years ago in a synagogue in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm a big uh, college football fan. This past weekend at the Georgia-Florida game in Jacksonville, which is one of the biggest um, you know, annual college football games, there was a, um, I guess like it was like a fluorescent, laser light that somebody had put against the stadium as people were walking in the stadium that says Kanye was right about the Jews um, showing up on the stadium. And so not only do you see rise in anti-Semitism in terms of anti-Semitic incidents just happening, you see people coming out of the woodworks in support of Kanye. Mm-hmm. And you see people applauding him online, telling him a truth, you know, telling him, man, you're a truth teller. You're being persecuted by the Jews. You're being persecuted by the Jewish controlled media. You're simply calling out the truth. Um, The basketball player Kyrie Irving Mm -hmm. recently promoted a book called Hebrews to Negroes, Wake Up Black America. Um, And I went on Amazon and kind of tried to look up. It's now a number one bestseller on Amazon. And it's essentially a book that promotes a black Hebrew Israelite group, which if you're not familiar with black Israelites, they basically claim that those of black African descent are actually the true Hebrews and Israelites. And the people that we know as Jewish people are not really Jewish people. They're imposter Jews, right? Mm. Mm -hmm. So Kanye tweets out his support for Kyrie Irving 
after Irving received backlash for promoting this book and Kyrie and Kanye kind of see eye to eye on this stuff. And so, like, I wish I could say this is just one crazy guy that happens to have a lot of money and influence going off on this rant, but it seems like it's not. It, it is a uh, it is a growing um, a growing rise of anti-Semitism, anti-Semitic conspiracies, all this stuff. And I think what's crazy is because Kanye leans more conservative and he's like hanging out with Candace Owens and stuff like that, there's a lot of conservative people that see Kanye saying stuff about Planned Parenthood or see Kanye hanging out with conservative people or seen with a MAGA hat and go, oh my gosh, Kanye, he's one of us. He's saying the truth. And then like, they're not able to discern, no, wait a second. What he's saying is like a a, a centuries old anti-Semitic, anti-Semitic conspiracy. That's like really, 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 really dangerous. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he said on he said on Twitter um, that he's going to go DeathCon three on the Jews, and he said the funny thing is I actually can't be anti-Semitic because black people are actually Jewish, and I mean, if any anyone, first of all, anyone that's that obsessed with race, I would I would call them if they claim to be a brother or sister in Christ, I would call them to repentance because. Right. Our faith is not based on race or ethnicity whatsoever. We're not, we don't erase that. We don't completely ignore that. But that has no place in our faith in terms of our placement, in terms of our, our, our closeness to God, um, our destiny, our eternal destiny has nothing to do with that. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's scary when we get tribal like this and we get we get fixated on race um but yeah like you said there is a historic problematic trend where because god gave the jewish people a promise if satan can make god out to be a liar and annihilate this people group he will do it and he will use he will use demented he will use uh unknowing, uh, hateful, hurt people to carry out that plan. And we've seen that time and time again throughout history. Yeah, and that's what's, I think, fascinating in studying anti-Semitism, which if you're unfamiliar with that term, it is hostility to prejudice towards and discrimination against Jews. That's what anti-Semitism means. Obviously, Semitic, if you look at that word Semite or Semitic, that that's kind of a broad term for people living in that part of the world, the the Fertile Crescent, all that stuff. But um, when we use anti-Semitism, we're talking specifically about um, Jewish people. So, um, man, there is a long, 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 long history of anti-Semitism. Um, I just got finished teaching the book of Esther, which mm. um, you know details the origin story of Purim, the Jewish holiday. And anti-Semitism in the Persian Empire was so pronounced that it led a guy like Haman to issue an edict that would essentially destroy what historians estimate would be 15 million Jews living across the Persian Empire. Um, And the text of the Book of Esther says not just like 
the men, I mean, men, women, children completely annihilate them, completely destroy them. Like there were people in the ancient world that literally wanted the Jewish people extinct, wiped off the face of the map. And that mm-hmm. has been going on since before Christ. That has been going on, you know, as far back as we can see. And it continues. And I think someone has to step, take a step back and just go, man, why, why is that? Why is there this irrational hatred of the Jewish people? How would you answer that, Gabe? If somebody asked you that, why is there an irrational hatred of, of the Jewish people? Well, like I just said, it just goes back to this satanic ploy to make God out to be a liar. And mm. to thwart his plan. I mean, Paul says that um, salvation is unto the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. Yeah. And he knows that this people um, are, are a vehicle of sorts of redemption and salvation for the world. And if he can thwart that, if he can, um, you know, demolish this race, he will do it. And it's been tried and tried again. But it's fascinating because the ironic thing is I personally am strengthened in my faith by looking back and seeing that this is an irrational yet historic trend. It doesn't make any sense. Um, It's not like there's been uh, vast Jewish empires that try to express world domination like like Japan or Germany or or others. It's it's this people that really they just – they want a place to live in security – they want to pray. Uh, they they do excellent things in terms of business and scientific and medical breakthroughs. And, and I want to talk like 20- about why that is here in a minute, but keep going. Yeah, there's something like 22% of Nobel Peace Prize winners. There's a, like like um, are Jewish, and right. then some are are half and three quarters <clears throat> Jewish. But that's 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 a very unusual like uh, statistic in terms of like they hold in all the races and ethnicities. These people hold the majority of of Nobel Peace Prize winning winners, yeah. and so it, it seems to me it's like like you said it's irrational. Any nation would benefit from having a large Jewish population in it if it if it's looking for medical, scientific, and business success. Right. And I I believe that American um, success in the in the late forties and fifties and economic boom that we experienced is due in large because of, of Jewish immigrants that we took in post-World War II. Hmm. Um, yeah. So um, what, what were you going to say though? Well, I just, you know, somebody listening to this, I mean, unfortunately, there's probably people listening to this that you believe that conspiracy because hmm. you've seen Kanye endorse certain conservative ideals and you've gone, man, Kanye, he's speaking truth. Mm-hmm. And then you see him say, Oh man, the Jews are controlling Hollywood, and the Jews are controlling you know uh, mainstream media. The Jews are controlling this, that, and the other. And you started going, well, yeah, I saw that spreadsheet. There are a ton of Jews working in Hollywood. There are a ton of Jews working in uh, legal. Every Jewish person, um, you know that that Kanye talks about is it a lawyer or a CEO or so. It is like you said. Statistically speaking, there's a lot higher percentage of Jews that won Nobel Peace Prize and work in medicine or work in um, legal fields. So, what? Why? Why did Why did Jews seem like um, and Jewish people seem to be um, like the percentage of them working in mainstream media and medical, legal, financial, entertainment? Why is that higher in that particular people group? Hmm. 
That's a, that's a tough question to answer, but I think I can make, it, make a, a worthy attempt at it. Uh, number one, they have a supernatural blessing on their lives, and what they set their hands to uh, will typically succeed. That's not 100%, but they, they do mm. a fantastic job of what they set their hands to because of God's blessing on these people. Um, number two, um, within Jewish culture is this uh, um, emphasis that is placed on community and and familial unity. And then, like we see even, even within other cultures, like especially like in Asian culture, you see a lot of emphasis, a lot of emphasis placed on education and mm-hmm. strong work ethic um, and kind of getting ahead. Um, then you also see within Jewish culture and communities a, a, a tight-knit physical, geographical, like, community um, right. that is lacking in, in many other cultures. Um, you maybe see this, it can be compared to maybe Hispanic cultures where it's like you, you live... You, you, around your family and around your extended family and around all your friends and your neighbors and you have within your neighborhood um, a, a sense of community um, and that promotes success in life, that promotes success in education and in business. Um, that's really healthy, I would mm. say. And um, so you see that within the Jewish community. But I would say first and foremost, a supernatural blessing on yeah. their efforts. Well, and if you look at the nation of Israel itself, like my father-in-law is a pilot, <clears throat> and he retired from commercial uh, airlines, and now basically what he does is he he moves airplanes that are being repurposed for cargo. So let's say Delta <clears throat> is decommissioning an airplane or a jet, and uh, what my father-in-law does is he, he flies it over to Tel Aviv, Israel, and what it does in Tel Aviv is it has a whole team of people that basically strip it and repurpose it for cargo. So now it flies for FedEx mm-hmm. or now it flies for Amazon or now it flies for UPS or whatever it is. And in Tel Aviv, you have some of the leading um, leading business leaders in the field of like jewelry and diamonds. Mm-hmm. You, you have some of the most advanced medical sciences coming out of Tel Aviv. Um, you've got businesses that are literally like earning a profit for everyone in the world that are based out of Tel Aviv. Mm. And so one could look at that and go, man, how is it that this little strip of land in the Middle East, they have such an influence across the entire world, literally blessing, I'm going to use that word intentionally, they're blessing the entire world. Economically, they're blessing the entire world financially. They're blessing the entire world with giving work and giving profit and flourishing to the entire world. Well, <clears throat> in one sense, there was a prophecy that Israel would be a light to the nations. Hmm. And so I know that's mainly supposed to be in a spiritual sense understood. And we understand that through the Messiah. Yes, Israel's the light to all the nations, but almost, almost in a like tangible financial sense and a medical sense and all that. Like, can you see that mm-hmm. at play? Like in that, do you think that, mm-hmm. that kind of fits into that as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's no coincidence that, you know, this rise in anti-Semitism is coming at a time in the United States of America where we're entering, if not already in, 
a, a recession and a slowdown of our economy, a high inflation, right? Yeah. Um, maybe rising unemployment, uh, world instability, and and you look at like the Weimar Republic in Germany in the 1930s, the 20s and 30s of Germany. It's like that that whole stage was set historically where you had a high inflation, record inflation. You had um, instability in the world uh, post World War One, very uh, rocky, um, you know, political alliances and all this stuff. You had high unemployment, and then you had an increase in um, German nationalism. And then it was like, okay, we need a scapegoat to pin all of our economic problems on. And um, and then it was the same thing. It was it was the same bill of goods. It was like Jews run our economy, and they're taking all the wealth for themselves. Jews run the media, so we can't really get the word out about this big conspiracy. And um, and and yeah, they're pulling all the strings and everything. And so so yeah. when. Hitler wrote Mein Kampf. It, that that's it was all the same mantra that this Black Hebrew Israelite movement is making, that neo Nazis make. Um, it's that mm. it's that they you know, and it's yeah, it's just repackaged it, basically. Yeah, and the, and the thing that really is alarming to me is the fact that I I learned about this interview by a family member posting this on on Facebook and and praising him for being a truth talker, and I'm like, oh, whoa, hold on a second, like. Did you listen? First of all, did you listen to the whole thing, or did you just listen to the first couple minutes of it? And and yeah. it, when you listen to the whole thing, it's like, wow, this guy is speaking some very dangerous stuff mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. can get a lot of people hurt. Yeah. And that's that's where it's headed, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. So and like we've been saying, this is nothing new. I mean, what he's mm-hmm. saying is repackaged anti-Semitic talking points that go back a very, 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 very long time. Um, which, you know, if somebody listens, it's like, man, Kanye is not an anti-Semite. Okay. You need to research and study the history of anti-Semitism because Mm -hmm. like what he's saying is very alarming if you know the history of this, right? Um, there's a writer named Jerome Chains. I think that's how you say his name. Jerome Chains, C-H-A-N-E-S. And he identifies six stages in the historical development of anti-Semitism. Um, the first is pre-Christian anti-Judaism. You see this in Greece and Rome. Um, and I would say, too, in the Persian Empire, again, the Book of Esther. That's primarily ethnic in nature. <clears throat> the second stage is Christian anti-Semitism in antiquity. In the Middle Ages, that was primarily religious in nature. Um if you read about the Spanish Inquisition, which was much, much, much later, but what motivated the Spanish Inquisition in many parts uh, were people who were coming after Jewish communities in basically the Roman Catholic Empire, you know, forcing them to convert, forcing them to um, stop being Jewish and to become Christian. And mm-hmm. so um, that's problematic if you know the gospel and you understand the point of Christianity is someone willingly comes to Christ, they're not forced to, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The third is traditional Muslim anti-Semitism. And so you see that throughout the Crusades, you know, the the Muslims going to the city of Jerusalem. Um, You see, man, in the Quran, if you've ever read the Quran, one could say the Quran is a very anti-Semitic book. 
uh, the Quran basically espouses conquering the Jews and forcing them to pay the Jizra, which is a tax on them. Um, the Jews are considered kind of a protected class in a Muslim um, uh, caliphate, which is kind of a, a Muslim empire. So they're protected, but they have to pay a tax simply because mm-hmm. they're Jewish and not Islamic, um, which is, again, kind of nuanced, right? <laughs> but mm-hmm. you see a lot of anti-Semitism in the Muslim world. Um, Israel is surrounded by Muslim nations, many of which uh, have called Israel a bastard state. They believe that it has no point at all of being there, that all that land was stolen and that the Jews need to be completely wiped off the face of the map. Mm. Um, so, but that goes back a long, 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 long time. Uh, the mm. fourth stage is political, social, and economic anti-Semitism of enlightenment. Um, that's where you start to see some of the um, conspiracies that the Jews kind of are controlling the banks the Jews are money lenders. The Jews are, um, <clears throat> you know, the ones kind of pulling the puppet strings, if you will, uh, throughout Enlightenment and post-Enlightenment Europe. And then the fifth stage is the one that we think of when we think of anti-Semitism, and that's the racial anti-Semitism that arose in the 19th and 20th century, and it all culminated in Nazism in Germany in the 20th century. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that leads us to the sixth stage, and that is where we are now. That's contemporary anti-Semitism, which um, many people believe is kind of emerging as a new anti-Semitism, um, which are all the things that we're talking about. Yeah, and Josh, if I could share my screen really fast. There's this um, chart that, um, let me see if I can, it'll allow me to do this here. Um, it's a chart that shows, yeah, I don't know if you can see there or not. It basically shows it's a map of Europe. Are you able to see this map? I'm not, no. You can, exp- you oh, okay. can explain it to me and our audio listeners as well. Yeah, it might It might not uh, want me to do this. I think I need to change my uh, my uh, settings. But anyways, it's a map, and I think you can find this, you know, you can find this on online or whatever. It just shows all the Jewish historic expulsions from, from, from places in which they lived. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, it goes back, I think the earliest on this map is uh, like, maybe 1300 uh, I've got a oh I've got a 1016 they're expelled from Crimea 1290 expelled from England um, yeah Germany alone is like a, there was many expulsions in Germany 1100s 1300s wow. 1500s I mean many people aren't aware of the fact that uh, Martin Luther was was deeply anti-semitic and called yes, for the expulsion of Jews and the in the the um, destruction of Jewish synagogues and prayer books and communities. But yeah, I mean, the reason why Columbus got on a boat and sailed west is because of the Jewish expulsion from Spain in 1492. Um, hmm. Some people even speculate that he was a closet Jew, that he, that he you know, converted to Catholicism for show, but he in fact was a Sephardic Jew. But that, that's the reason, though, is because they were looking for places to go, basically, and they, they financed an exploratory trip across the ocean. So it um, basically was, hey, we're getting kicked out of Spain. We got to go find a mm-hmm. spot to... Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, wow. I mean, there was tens of thousands of Jews that were having to leave Spain um, via edict 
And Golly, um, I never knew that. That's that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's entirely was Columbus connected. Spanish? That's a that's a uh, he was Portuguese, I believe. Okay. Yeah. And the Portuguese works you know, the 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 Jews were expelled from Portugal in fourteen ninety seven. So yeah, five years later all the Portuguese Jews had to leave Portugal. Okay, just look um, up. he's Italian. Had... He was Italian. Oh, okay, okay. But his yeah, his expeditions were sponsored by the Catholic monarchs of Spain. Mm. Um, yeah, so but that would make sense because, is... like, the Spanish Inquisition <clears throat> would have happened not long after that, and that was a very mm-hmm. anti-Semitic um, movement by the Catholic Church to basically make sure that there wasn't too many Jewish people living in Spain yeah. that were controlling things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's it's huh. that's interesting. Really interesting, and and I keep going back to this, but like we we do this sometimes, and and Christians are guilty of this. They they find this influencer that kind of agrees on some tenets of our faith and we're really excited because this person's popular and this person's famous and they're going to really stick it to the man or whatever because you know they're going to really bring our beliefs and our principles forward and make them mainstream in christian culture or american culture but we've got to be very careful because um once you start promoting this individual uh <laughs> things come out that might not be as kosher as we hoped right and we do this sometimes with like elon musk uh, and yeah. him buying yeah. twitter and we're like oh yeah go elon <clears throat> clean out you know clean house and twitter or whatever and it's like, well, hold on, hold on, let's pump the brakes on Elon because I, you know, as far as I know, he's like a very dogmatic atheist, um, libertarian. Like, there's some, there's some dangerous things well, that he believes that I don't agree with. And it's funny, um, his Halloween costume a couple of days ago. I don't know if anybody saw that. He has like mm-hmm. a Baphomet like on his chest, right? Which is like a <laughs> demonic god, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think here's what happens so often: Christians embrace conservative values and believe the myth that if somebody is conservative, then, man, you can just endorse everything they say hook, line, and sinker because mm-hmm. American conservatism and Christianity, man, the two things go hand in hand. There's so much intersectionality <laughs> between those two, right? And then we get duped into basically having to defend and... um stick up for these figures that we embraced because at one point they were advocates for the conservative worldview and they're saying some really, really not Christian things, but yet we've already kind of sold our souls to them and said, Oh, I'm, I'm supporting them no matter what. And it's like, no, no, like you can say the emperor has no clothes. That's okay. Mm -hmm. If that person is saying something that is not reflecting the Christian worldview it's okay to say, you know what? I, I think I might agree with them on this, but I disagree on this. That is, that's off. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the part that I really, really struggled with during the Trump administration is I would never um, consider myself a never Trumper. I think the guy did some good things, but I also mm-hmm. never would consider myself an always Trumper mm-hmm. because there were some people that I knew that like the guy could do no wrong. Mm-hmm. Anything he said, they would have a talking point to mm-hmm. defend why he was just this like Jesus loving, beautifully godly man. And I'm like, oh, are we seeing the same news clips? Like, what? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, that's, that's that's wrong. Like, I don't think that he is. Well, he's just a baby Christian. No, I don't. <laughs> are you kidding me? If he was in my church, he'd be under church discipline. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and so, like. Instead of having some discernment and going like, okay, some of the things this guy's saying is, okay, yeah, I agree with that. But, man, over here, that's really dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, I don't think we do a good job at that. We're not very good at being nuanced and discerning. Right right, now. But why? Like, where does that come from? You know, like, why? Why do we? We look at Trump, for instance, and we we yeah. There's there's a large section cross section of Christian Christians that say the man can do no wrong, and like anything he does that it is clearly a character flaw or clearly unchristlike, we we try to explain it away somehow or right. say that's just like. But it's like. Can can where does that come from? What is the we're, origin of this? I, I, I think it's because we're obsessed <clears throat> with power. So we see obsessed somebody with, that obsessed has with the power. notion of getting power, or yeah, or like somebody that's in power finally representing Christian um, mm-hmm. causes, right? Mm-hmm. Because we don't like the idea of being marginalized. We don't like the idea of not having social capital. We don't like the idea of being, you know, like the book of first and second Peter talk about us being a peculiar race. Like we don't like that. We want to be mainstream. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we see somebody that's influential, that has power, that's in the media representing Christian causes at some point or being sympathetic towards, you know, Christians. And we're like, yeah. And so then whatever they say, we're like, yeah, that's great. Right. Instead of going, no, no, wait, they're, that's not Christian. What are they doing? Mm -hmm. That's not, that's Mm -hmm. no. Right. Because I think what we're really after is power instead of purity. Mm. That's my view, but I could be wrong. Yeah, possibly. Before. And I think I think there's there's media outlets probably that help further this delusion, if I could say it like that. That that you know, for instance, during the Trump presidency, like he just there he could do no wrong, like you said. Um, and anything that he did that was clearly problematic and, and antithetical to our faith, it was like this news outlet would be like, oh, you know, that's – he's just there's cleaning a witch out hunt the going on or something. Yeah, there's yeah. a witch hunt going on. That's why. And it's like, well, okay, maybe, but I, I don't know. It maybe seems like he kind of is a, is a pompous prick sometimes. Like could we just say that out loud? <laughs> you know what I like, mean? It's like, like – yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be like, oh, he, we need someone who would just speak their mind and would just, you know, <laughs> we need someone to kind of just be a jerk to the media and to, yeah. the, you know, and it's like, but do we though? Do, <laughs> yeah. Is that really what we need? I don't know. Because as far as I know, like that's, that's very divisive and, yeah. Yeah. you know, they say as the leader goes, so goes the people. Yeah. And it's, yeah. So it, we we fall into that same trap with with these big personalities like Kanye and what did I say like that Kanye, um, <laughs> Kanye, Kanye uh, Elon Musk, Jordan Peterson, yeah, uh, you know it's, it's just it, the list goes on of these people that right, 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 that, that right. Christians, well intentioned Christians latch onto and say, oh this guy can do no wrong and I'm gonna just binge watch everything and right, um, right, right, right. and defend him to the to the <clears throat> death you know. So anti-Semitism, a lot of people are saying, okay, Josh, Gabe, this isn't anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism is, you know, somebody from Hitler's SS guard pulling somebody out of their home in the middle of the night and putting them on a train headed towards Treblinka or Auschwitz. That's that's anti-Semitism. Kanye is not anti-Semitic. Well, anti-Semitism is expressed in many different ways. Um the most blatant type of anti-Semitism is racism, right? And that's what you see happening in Nazi Germany. But what you don't know, if you're not really familiar with this topic, is that 
for decades, one could even say perhaps several hundred years beneath the surface before this racist anti-Semitism was expressed, there were many forms of Semitism that fueled that, that we're going to talk about here in a minute. And so it manifested in a belief that the Jews were the inferior race, but that's not where it started. It started with religious anti-Semitism. So Jews as the Christ killers, right? So we talked about Martin Luther, which October 31st was Reformation Day from our Reformed friends. Mm-hmm. And so Martin Luther did some amazing things, and we praise God for that. But he wrote very inflammatory, dangerous literature that basically pinned the crucifixion of Christ solely on Jews. So what would you say to that, Gabe? You're a Bible-believing Christian. Mm-hmm. I'm a Bible-believing Christian. We both love Jesus. We both love God's Word. Are the Jews solely mm-hmm. responsible for killing Jesus? Hmm. No, absolutely. I mean, was that... <laughs> so, like, absolutely not. I mean, was that... I always... People ask that question. It's like, was that or was that not part of God's plan of salvation or redemption for the world? Yeah. Like, what? what doesn't... Doesn't the Bible say that he was slain before the foundations of the earth? Mm-hmm. Do you believe that or do you not believe that? So right. so we need, in order to attain salvation, we need the blood or the death, the burial and resurrection of Christ. So so right there, we have, you know, he, he, he had to die, right? <coughs> yeah. Because of us. So, right. um, and then who did he die for? He died for obviously the world, right? To offer the world salvation. And so in a sense, I mean, we could say it was a product of our sin <laughs> and, our, and our decisions that in, in, in our iniquity laid on him that right. killed him. Right. Um, so it doesn't matter who, who drove that first nail through his hands. Yeah. What matters is the fact that God gave us, you know, this, this decision-making process and we, dis- we decide sin and that's what drives the nails into his hands, but at the same time offering us every drop of blood closer and closer to redemption and salvation. Absolutely. Well, and also just <clears throat> if you've studied the gospel narratives, I think it is very intentional how the gospel writers show that it was both Jew and Gentile cooperating together mm-hmm. to crucify Christ for yeah. the, the point of communicating to us that we are all culpable, we are all responsible. It is our sin that put him on the cross. Right? Mm-hmm. So it was, a, it was the Romans that nailed him to the cross. It was Pilate that carried out the order to crucify him. But the Jews were the ones that delivered uh, Christ. You know, Judas was the one that betrayed him. So it, the whole point is, like, we're all guilty. We're, we're all the ones that nailed him to the cross. It wasn't just the Jews. It was Jews and Gentiles, right? <laughs> So um, religious anti-Semitism, you see that expressed, uh, like we talked about the Spanish Inquisition and the Catholic Church. We talked about um, Martin Luther and and some of those views that really influenced a lot of um, Lutheranism in Germany in the 1930s. Um, But economic anti-Semitism, and particularly, like we said, these conspiracy theories, um, man, this goes back a long, long, long time. If you're a Shakespeare scholar and you've ever read the Shakespeare play, The Merchant of Venice, mm. there is a character in The Merchant of Venice, Venice, um, which is a play called Shylock. And Shylock is a um, 
Jewish stereotype that is a caricature. uh, Yeah. Yeah. So you hear some, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie American history X. Mm -hmm. The the character is a, is a neo-Nazi and he calls somebody a a crook nose Shylock. Mm -hmm. Um, And a Shylock is again, a character in the merchant of Venice. And this was a stereotype that showed Jewish people as a, you know, money obsessed, uh, money lenders, bankers, uh, people who are just obsessed with money and looking to make a profit. And so um, this is a quote that, as I was researching this yesterday, I found, anti-Semites claim that Jews control the world's finances, a theory promoted in the fraudulent Protocols of the Elders of Zion, later repeated by Henry Ford in his mm. publication, The Dearborn Independent. Um In the modern era, such myths continue to be spread in books such as The Secret Relationship Between Blacks and Jews, published by the Nation of Islam, and on the Internet. Derek Penzler writes that there are two components to the financial canards. So a canard is a sensational report, misrepresentation, or fabrication. And so these canards have been going on for a long time. And there's kind of two two parts of this. First is Jews are savages that are temperamentally incapable of performing honest labor. And so that's why they're all bankers and lawyers and um, mainstream media moguls and things like that, because they're not going to work with their hands, right? They're going to always look for a way to, to get a leg up on people and cheat people and always make a profit from people. And then the second part of that is Jews are leaders of a financial cabal seeking world domination. So if you believe that about Jewish people, you are by definition, an anti-Semite. Because, again, those viewpoints go back as far as, like, the Middle Ages, right? Um, But it's a pretty, like, the... Talk about the Protocol of the Elders of Zion, um, uh, Gabe. That that is a book that came out in 1907, (laughs) I believe, and Henry Ford was obsessed with it. What is the Protocols of the Elders of Zion? Oh, yeah, so basically just a... It's a anonymous work that was um, circulated, like you said, in the early early 1900s, and uh, yeah, just basically that that it was like this um, manifesto, so to speak, that that Jews were behind everything. Um, they were behind agricultural depressions. They were behind financial scandals. They were behind strikes. Uh, you name it. Um, that they were there pulling all the strings and 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 moving all the pieces and everything. Um, yeah, and and Henry Ford had an obsession with this document. Um, he actually Henry Ford bought. Uh, you mentioned the Dearborn Independent. He actually bought this local newspaper from his hometown. He hmm. bought it out with the hopes of publishing um, anti-Semitic uh, columns every week, which he did for a long time. Gosh. And then he would actually send <clears throat> these newspapers and these anti-Semitic columns uh, out to his dealerships, his four dealerships. And then um, the ideal was that the dealerships would then place the newspapers into each car once it's sold. Wow. So he was basically missionizing and trying to spread this message of, of um, you know, anti-Semitic uh, conspiracy theory. Yeah, um, yeah it's just it's, – it's bizarre when you, when you start to lift uh, the veil a little bit on like anti-Semitism and you realize, wow, who has – 
who has bought into this and who has spread right, this. Right. And it's like, oh, oh, I need to yeah. take, take a shower, right? And it's like, oh, well, and man, it's, it's, so, it's, it's so irrational. Like, why is someone mm-hmm. so obsessed with this, right? Mm-hmm. That they that they want to go so far as to buy a local newspaper, write these columns, <clears throat> publish it, and then put it out in every vehicle that goes out across America. I mean, like seriously, like the, you're that obsessed with um, demonizing this people group. Like it just doesn't make sense. Mm. Yeah. So that's again that economic conspiracy that <clears throat> we see now Kanye espousing. Man, that goes back a long, 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 long time, and um, that's why it's so dangerous. Uh, social anti-Semitism, so Jews is socially inferior, they're pushy, they're vulgar, um, so, you know, they're awkward, they're unable to, to have, um, you know, social conversations and interactions. <clears throat> Ideological anti-Semitism, that Jews are subversive and revolutionary. Um, cultural anti-Semitism, they're undermining the moral and structural fiber of civilization. You see that in the book of Esther. So if you remember what Haman goes to uh, the king of Persia, King Xerxes, and says is that these are people who have their own laws and they kind of do their own thing and they've got their own traditions, they've got their own customs, they're they're not going to listen and obey the laws of the Persian Empire, Um, which is a half-truth because, Mm -hmm. yes, the Jews have their own customs and feasts and their own set of laws from the Torah, but You've, you've seen historically Jews kind of being able to function as their own people group within other people groups. Um, and you see it all over the world right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think where <clears throat> a lot of anti-Semitism shows up are in these conspiracy theories. Um, the most, I think, horrifying conspiracy theories are um, Holocaust denials. Mm. Uh, It sounds so crazy to say there are people who deny the Holocaust, but there is a growing number of people, many of them in the Middle East, many of them uh, Muslim, but also not, also people just, you know, here in the U.S., that state the Holocaust was imagined or the Holocaust was highly exaggerated to advance the interest of Jews and justify the creation of the state of Israel. Mm-hmm. Which it, it, That's so crazy that you would look at six million Jews and just say, yeah, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And that's not even 100 years old, the Holocaust. Yeah, I mean, there's people, many people who, who survived it that are still alive today. Yeah. yeah. And can speak firsthand, but they, they believe that they're just shills, you know, and that they just are paid right. to say that they're just actors. Um, but yeah, it's it's crazy how there's there's an entire uh, people group um, that is growing in size that are living in a completely alternate reality in terms of mm-hmm. history and 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 the legitimacy of the state of Israel. Um, and then there's like a, a dwindling number of people who believe that. Jews are, are, are God's, you know, chosen people that, that, you know, that they, they are all over the world and, and that they have a rightful homeland in the Middle East called Israel. Uh, and that's, that's bound to create conflict. That's bound to a larger conflict. And that's, that's biblical as well, that, you know, there's going to be a large scale worldwide conflict centered around the nation of Israel and whether or not 
it, it deserves a place on, on the map. Yeah. Wow. And that's what it boils down to. I mean, it's, so it's like, yeah, <clears throat> if we can circle all the way back around, it's like God promised these people, his blessing, his protection, and a, a relatively small piece of the globe to be theirs and to be their homeland. And he said that you will be like a light to the nations. You'll be like a city on a hill, shining on a hill. And that's it. And it's like, if the, if the powers that be can thwart that, then they've made God out to be a liar. Yeah. Wow. So this is a spiritual battle, primarily. Um, yeah, it's a spiritual battle that is manifesting itself in the physical realm. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. So, again, the anti-Semitic theories that are around today concerning banking, Hollywood, the news media, a purported Zionist occupation government with this tyrannical worldview, I mean, that, that goes back a long, 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 long time. Um, in the second half of the 19th century, in the, the late 1800s, you saw people saying that the Jews and the Freemasons were plotting together to establish control over the world. Um, yeah, I, I would just say to anybody listening to this, there's nothing new under the sun. That's what Solomon wrote in the book of Ecclesiastes. So if something feels new and you're like, oh my gosh, this is just crazy. Like, I can't believe this can't, um, do some research. <laughs> like there are no new lies. There are old lies repackaged as new. Is mm-hmm. that fair? Mm-hmm. It's the same old lie. It's the same old type of thing. And we've got to have our discernment meters up to go, I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is true. I don't know if this is right. I don't know if this is godly and God honoring. And our mindset as Christians towards any people group should be that we, any irrational hatred towards a people group simply for being a certain ethnicity or a certain people group, a certain culture, man, that should be unthinkable whether they're Jewish or whether they're Chinese or whether they're Portuguese or whether they're Mexican or whether they're Canadian or well, I've never met anybody with an irrational hatred of Canadians, but um, hmm. they're probably out there. I don't know. Um, yeah, that should be unthinkable for us as Christians. Yeah. I mean, truly, but especially the fact that the Jewish people <laughs> were given a promise by our God and our Messiah was a Jewish man. Mm-hmm. Um, we should have a different mindset, a different attitude, a different heart posture towards this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always be weary of someone fixated on race. Yeah, nothing, nothing good can come of it. Absolutely. Now I want to do an episode about irrational hatred of Canadians because I feel like there's mm. people out there that I have a Canadian friend, so we could bring her on. <laughs> yeah. We could ask her about her. Canadian stereotypes, hacky yeah. and mooses and toques and Canadian bacon. Why do they get yeah. to say that ham is bacon? Oh, Canadian privilege. Canadian <laughs> Every Canadian I've ever met is the most polite person I've ever met in my life. So maybe that's a stereotype that's it's a good one. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we actually have some Canadian listeners. So if you're listening from the great north, thank you for tuning in. We love you, um, and we'd love to hear from you. So shoot, shoot us an email. I see some yeah, guys yeah. listening from uh, from all parts of the world, and we've got several Canadian listeners. So 
It's good. You should watch uh, Jim Gavigan's sketch on the Canadian map. It's really funny. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening. And uh, if you've got any feedback, any questions, any criticism, any cries of outrage, anything like that, um, shoot us an email or leave us a comment. If you're watching this on YouTube, we would love to hear from you. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Well, thanks for listening. That's our show. If you like what you've heard, make sure to give us a share, leave us a review, or send us an email at beardsandbiblepodcast at gmail.com.